Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. Usually in Affable Chat, we dive as deep as we can to a topic of our choosing. Usually we talk about movies, and today is not an exception. Today we do have a special guest, my dungeon master, Nick. Nick, say hello. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You're, you're already off to a strong start. Um, yeah. Of good. course, <laughs> I brought uh, my DM here to talk about the one, the only, the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie. Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. This is a fantasy action comedy franchise starter. The directors are John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. The cast includes Captain James T. Kirk, Letty Ortiz, Gretel, actually the Prime Minister, Genya Safin, Franklin Webb, and Simon Bassett. I watched this movie in an AMC theater. Uh, Nick, how did you watch this movie? I also watched it in an AMC theater because heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Even heartbreak feel like feels good <laughs> in a place like this. God, I, I really love that thing. I, I read this um, New York Times piece about that, about how it like went from being ironic to being like beloved over the course of like the pandemic. Yeah. And um, it's, it is, I honestly feel the same way. Every time she comes on screen, I'm like, here she is again. She's sometimes she's saying the word, sometimes she's not. My favorite part <laughs> is when she says um, like, it'll take you to somewhere new. And they show us a shot of Jurassic world. It's like, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> we've been there so many times. You, you call it somewhere new. Come on. Really? Yeah. It's, only the fifth, it's only the fifth or sixth time. It's only the fifth or sixth time, time we've been yeah. there. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if you've seen it, but there's an there's an SNL skit making fun of it. Oh, where, really? Uh, yeah, and that's actually why I like it the most because yeah, the she says heartbreak feels good in a place like this, and then everyone in the theater stands up and starts saying that it repeatedly while saluting, <laughs> and then like Keenan's character is like, like totally not getting what's going on. He's like, what, what the heck is happening? He, like gets up and salutes or whatever, and so so I always I always kind of quietly salute yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. in honor of the SNL fair. skit whenever she says it, and the people I was in the theater with had not seen the SNL skit, so they did not know what I was doing. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I, my goal is to see it with people that like can recite it uh, along with me because I think that's I think it's funny. I think it's really great yeah yeah okay well we're not here to talk about uh, nicole pittman we're here to talk about DD. we could but yeah we're not um, so nick tell me uh just real quick you know one or two sentences what did you think about this movie did you like it did you not like it quick three words uh i liked it um i, I was telling the people i went with uh i went with someone uh who doesn't play much DD. uh another person who i think does play you know at least does play D and D, um, and so we you know, had different perspectives on it. I think I probably played maybe the most, and I I am I was only a DM of them. Um, I kind of made the comment that you know when they first announced the movie, I was kind of like, oh, this is probably not going to be a good. Like, I don't know if this is going to land. I don't know if this is going to be very, very well received, and I don't know if I'm going to like it. And then when the like reviews started coming out and people were like, it's actually kind of a good movie. I was like, I don't know if I like this. You're getting my hopes up. <laughs> and so I kind of went in cautiously optimistic because I was like, I might actually like this, but now I'm afraid because I'm going and thinking I might actually like this. I'm not going to like it, you know, in that weird twisted way. Yeah. And all this is to say that I, I kind of came out happy because like, I don't think it was the best movie in the world, but it was like, at the exact level that I went in hopefully expecting, and I think it delivered on that promise. And so all that to say, that's why I liked it, yeah. Great, yeah. I I was kind of going through that same hype cycle. It always happens when big movies come out, you know. 
Um, but yeah, I generally, I thought it was great. I thought they hit a lot of things uh, right in the head. I thought they made some changes that I really liked. Some uh, There's some other things. I have some gripes with it too. But uh, in general, yeah, I thought this movie was fun. And um, I'm curious to know how it's going to crash and burn as this franchise continues. Um, but for now, I um, I thought this was a pretty solid. I, th I think the one comment I made, walk I think I walked out of the theater and I had a similar uh, note to the people I was watching it with where I was like, I liked that. I, like, I really, I did like that. But then I was also like, but they cannot, like, it'll never work again. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, how are they going to ruin yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very well, cynical. I don't even know if they're going to ruin it. Like, I think the, I, I think like, I, I, well, again, we'll, we'll go through all this stuff, but I, I, I think the reason it did kind of work, kind of against all odds, it's because of a novelty that is there that will not be there if they try and do it again, right? If they're yeah. like, because it's, it's not like, oh, cool, that was a really good fantasy action blockbuster, and I would like to watch a lot of these. Like, that was not, like, the key point of the movie that made it enjoyable for me, if that makes any sense. So, um, sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, I think, it'll, I think it'll be hard to hit again unless they kind of know what they're doing. And I still don't know if they know what they're doing, which is one of my comments about the movie as we talk about it. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> let's not worry about the future yet. Let's worry about this one, Joe. True, so, true, true. We're doing a somewhat different format than we usually do in we'll chat i'm going to go through the events of the movie and nick and i will talk about them as they come up um there is a lot to this movie so there's a lot to explain so as we go along you'll be taking along the journey of this movie <laughs> and uh our comments on it so uh, without further ado let me get started edgin darvis a bard and holga kilgore a barbarian are being held in a massive prison in the middle of a frozen wasteland now i just want to note here that we're already starting off strong uh, we already have dungeons um, in this movie. You know, I was worried we might not get dragons or dungeons because sometimes those aren't guaranteed. <laughs> you gotta have a gotta have we those. Had, yeah, <laughs> we had dungeons in this one, so I, I was happy to see that. Um, in their parole hearing, Edgin explains why they have been captured and why they should be let go, and then he launches into a story about um, why they are in uh, the jail. So, you see. Edgin used to have a family and belonged to the Harpers, a guild of do-gooders that pay more in moral currency than actual silver or gold. Immediately, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm doing this with Nick because the Harpers <laughs> showed up in our campaign um, uh, very early on. Our, our team of... Uh, what we called the bar hoppers our team of three yeah. uh, showed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, got recruited into the Harpers. Um, we got little pins... I don't remember if we swore an oath on a book or, or what, but I remember them being dressed in blue uh, robes. I, if you want to, if, if I remember correctly, I guess for people that are aware, uh, you know, the D and D heads in the audience uh, who are curious, we, uh, we, 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 we no longer we play a lot of homebrew stuff nowadays. But when we first started, I did I was running everybody through um, Waterdeep Dra Water Dragon Heist it was the the name of the, the little module book that we were following. Um, yeah, and I believe uh, you get recruited by the Harpers. Uh, is, is that a opera scene where you all were taken into the That's opera right, box? That's right. We went to the opera, and then yeah, and then uh, I think you you did something you. This is totally unrelated, but you guys, uh, is I remember having to make up some sort of like jewelry shopkeeper on the spot, and you guys <laughs> were right. trying to like find a job with him. <laughs> yeah, we were talking to people in the lobby or something. We met up with some, yeah. some jewelers. Yeah, and then we always promised we'd come uh, back to them, but we never did. 
Yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know if I ever revealed that, and again, this is so out of, like, off topic, but I did have in my notes for that campaign, I was like, if they ever want to go back to these guys, I'm going to write something up. And I had a mini little arc involving that shopkeeper somewhere <laughs> on my computer. That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's the job of the DM, is to anticipate. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I was happy to see them in here. I think that was one of the first notes kind of in the movie, like when they name-dropped the Harpers, where I was like, okay, they're following... They're yeah, following yeah. the traditional, you know, Faerun, Hasbro, Wizard of the Coast, D&D lore, right? Like, that's, that's a right. very obvious statement. You know, before that, you could just be like, we're in the middle of icy tundra, you know, where exactly are we going on? But like, dropping something like that, I was world. like, yes, right. yes, it is. Okay, you have, you, have, you have grounded it in a recognizable place by just name dropping this group of people. Right. So the Harpers have an enemy called the Red Wizards, um, and these Red Wizards uh, track down Edgin and kill his wife and burned down his house. Um, I don't know anything about the red wizards at all. I don't know if, how, like how big they are into the lore, but they never showed up in, in our campaign. They're like all like, like level 20 equivalent NPC wizards, you know, like, like you're, you're not going to go out there and fight them unless, you know, they, they come to you. <laughs> Something sure. like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know much about them either. Besides the fact that they're like evil wizards and they wear red. Right. Uh, and yeah, they have scary <laughs> tattoos. Um, yeah. So the red yes. wizards kill Edgin and his wife because he's working for the Harpers. Um, it, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, desperate to provide for his baby daughter, Edgin turns to a life of petty thievery. He joins with the aforementioned Holga, a young sorcerer named Simon and an old confidence man named Forge Fitzwilliam. Uh, he's played by Hugh Grant. Uh, with time, Edgin's daughter, Kira also joins the troop. Uh, she grows up real fast. It's, it's like a, 10 years blinks the <laughs> happens to blink. Yeah. That was a very quick, it was a very quick <laughs> jump. I was um, like, oh, okay. And so the whole, all true troop of them, there's like five of them, right? They all get into, they get into all sorts of trouble, but they also make it a point to never physically hurt anyone and only steal from those who can afford to lose that classic little thieves, you know, kind of a Robin hood esque type thing, but kind of morally gray. You know, I feel like that, that fits a lot of D and D parties uh, in general. Um, is like you want to do some bad stuff you want to do some good stuff you don't want to be evil but you also you know you don't want to be good all the time sometimes you want to steal from people so i I think this whole kind of flashback sequence you know is and and this is where i get into like the weird meta discussion of the movie in my head um of like they used a good like i I think it was really good how they used this talkback sequence to like give exposition to the plot and different things like this um but on a meta level i thought it was also very like D and D to like check all the boxes. It's like, you know, had a good past, turned to thievery, dead wife, check mark, you know, <laughs> dead family member. It's just like it's like knock off all the tropes. And and that's where and kind of what I alluded to earlier, it's one of those things where like does 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 you know does does Edgin have like a super sophisticated backstory it's like no i, I don't think I, I think it's digestible and i think it's good i don't think it's bad in that regard um but you know i don't, I don't think I'm, I'm writing home on like the literary depth of this character's backstory but yet i wasn't bothered by it because i thought it kind of played into that trope of like hey this is what a usual D character backstory is going to be and like this is the D movie so we're going to follow these kind of like like kind of like nudge nudge beats a little bit um and i Again, that's where I think I maybe was getting too much in my head about like how no, how no. intentional were these decisions. I um, think I think I was thinking the exact same thing. Uh, not specifically about this decision, but about lots of other ones throughout this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Was like, how does this fit in, and how does this? How are they going to make this movie feel like I'm playing the game without playing the game? 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Without like me, without like them having like a poll of like, what does Edgin do now? Does he go to the left? Does he jump out the window or through the door? Yeah. You know, something like like to choose the, your own adventure, right? Bandersnatch, you know, something like that. No, <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But somehow they have to have something that makes it feel like you're still kind of in the game in a way, right? There's like there's game things happening, um, and I think there's mm-hmm. I think there's a part some parts that they really nail it, um, and I think this is I think this is a pretty good part. Um, okay, so. They're all, you know, petty thieves doing all their stuff, but then they meet a wizard named Sophia. Sophina, sorry. Sophina, Sophina wants to get inside the Harper's secret stash of magical items that they have been, co- and, and all these items have been confiscated by the guild from like evil people or bad people, enemies of the Harpers. Right. I'll let you know. I didn't read about the. I didn't. I didn't read about a, a secret stash in a Waterdeep Dragon Heist. So you guys didn't miss out on anything, to, at least to that magnitude. Okay. Yeah, we got plenty of magical stuff to deal with. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Edgin, of course, is hesitant until because um, he's used to be a Harper until he renounced that right, uh, and and he's hesitant until Forge tells him that the Harpers have something called a totem of reawakening, which can bring exactly one count it one person back from the dead this actually reminds me of an interesting point that i thought like they they the, the writers did like a good job of like acknowledging is uh this, this tome specifically cannot just bring someone back from the dead because this is this is D and there are spells that do that from clerics but they specifically make a point that uh i don't know if this is actually dd can this is the first i heard of it but at least they said it in in the movie they said it was that the cleric's resurrection spells cannot bring back someone who's been stabbed by the blade of a red wizard. So I could definitely see a writer's room being like, <laughs> like, but there's clerics in this world. It's impossible to it's die like, in well, this what world. What if this item it just counteracts that? It's just like, cool, we've got that fixed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just it's impossible to die. I mean, at a certain level, you just become there's so many safeguards to dying that like it's just not going to happen unless you decide it's going to happen you know so yeah the, mm-hmm. you you put in this magical blade that uh if you if you stab someone with it they die instantly and there's no resurrecting cool you know i'm, I'm good with that uh let's let's have some but then you also figure you also create the counter i like you yeah, introduce yeah. the problem via the item and then you br- introduce the counter item um i i feel like that's very dandy as well yeah sure <laughs> DMing, yeah it's just like oh, I, this, this is gonna break my game i'm gonna <laughs> add this item in oh this broke it too much okay maybe we can ease this yeah, back yeah. in you know? <laughs> give and take yeah d- yeah exactly yeah yeah i agree Okay, so hoping to be with his wife once more, Edgin agrees to sneak into the Harper's secret uh, stash, and they sneak into the Harper's stash, of course. Uh, but it all goes wrong. This, I thought this was a really cool shot, specifically right here in the movie. When they enter the secret stash, they do this top-down shot of the room with the treasure, and... I want to say I'm not reading into this too much, but um, I don't know how, much, how aware you are. But as a DM who has to go through all these, you know, D&D books and look through things, um, it looked like shockingly similar to a lot of these like, you know, grid layout dungeon room maps that you might actually play a game in. And so I, I felt there was a very intentional like usage of the camera there to kind of like real quickly nod to like, you know, this is what a dungeon full, like a room full of treasure looks like in a D&D book, you know, um, without like, not, without distracting too much. And it was like a blink and you miss it and you don't know, you don't know, it doesn't detract from anything. But it was the, that was a, that was one of those, uh, what's the, the, um, the Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing memes. <laughs> you know, that was me. <laughs> you recognize it, yeah. Um, no, that's really yeah. good. that's a really good uh, point. I did I did not pick up on that. But the, I, now that you say that, I I that room was suspiciously rectangular, <laughs> like a, like it might fit <laughs> on, a, on a page of a book. But of course, as soon as they get in there, it all goes wrong. 
The guards catch them, and Safina freezes time, leaving Edgin and Holga behind while the rest of them escape. So it's been two years, and Edgin and Holga have been locked up in this dungeon in the middle of a wilderness, a wasteland. Um, and uh, he's there, you know, pitching that he should be let out with Holga so that he can rebuild what's left of his family, be re- reunited with his daughter, and go back to life as it was. Um, so as he's doing this, right, as he's telling the story, it's sort of interspersed with this, um, <laughs> this, like gag. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a gag. Where he's like, he's he's uh he's waiting for someone named Jonathan who is one of the council members that he's appealing to. And he's constantly being like, I wish Jonathan was here. Like, uh, this part would really speak to Jonathan. We should really wait for Jonathan to show up. And they're all like, stop stalling, stop stalling. And he's like, he's, he's telling the story, right? Finally, Jonathan walks to the door and it's revealed he's a giant eagle man, which is, or a, how do you say this word? Aracocra. He's got a, you know, he's got a big eagle head and eagle wings and, and human feet. Like a, a physical um like, like, a, like a puppet yeah 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 not like a CGI. yeah it was, it was not cgi right like a, yeah, yeah. um yeah practical, practical effects yeah, yeah um so immediately when he walks in edgar edgin and holga tackle him through the window and ride him safely to the ground as the other council members announce that they have actually been granted their freedom um <laughs> Which th- this is like I, I like this gag. This is a really funny. This is really good to me. I really really like this, like this because this feels like a really comp- overcomplicated plan that yeah. um, <laughs> they were relying on something very specific that was not there, <laughs> and then once <laughs> it happens, even then it's not a guarantee that it's going to work, and it turns yeah. out completely unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I think that goes back to just like I. He, it it's what separates the generic D and D movie from the like it works because of the meta context, right? Yeah. Where you you see like like I see the player, you know, interrupting the DM and being like, like I hey, it, you didn't you say there's another council member in here? We totally needed that other guy, right? And it's just like, and he walks in and it's just like, I want to tackle him. It's like you want to what? It's like roll a grapple check, and, you know, and then, you know the DM being like, you guys really don't have to do this. Like no, we're sticking to the plan. <laughs> We had a plan. We're sticking to it. You locked us in this yeah. prison. We're getting out one way or another. Yeah. It's like you rolled an at 20 on your persuasion, but we already had the plan. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's yeah, it's really funny. I, I really like that a lot because, um, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like completely unnecessary, but it feels it feels mm-hmm. very much like a and d move. It feels like, OK, I got the situation. Literally anything can happen. Right, and you and the DM has this whole nice storyline set up, but it the, the characters don't care, uh, you know, the players don't care. Yeah. They're just gonna do whatever they think is gonna get them out of the situation, whether it makes sense or not. Um, yeah, and I thought it was I thought it was great. So I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was uh, like peak D and D right there. Yeah, and I think it yeah, it's like it just I think it was just a good job. But yeah, like like I said, it it it, it, ex, it gave exposition to all these characters in a. You know, meaningful enough way interspersed with this gag that I thought was funny. So, I mean, you know, they, it worked on me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all you need, right? Okay, yeah. so um, Edgar and Holgan, Holgan, Edgar and Holgan uh, sorry, Edgar and Holga, uh, they make their way back home now that they're out of prison. And uh, But, of course, Kira is nowhere to be found. They soon discover that their old friend Forge has taken over as Lord of Neverwinter when Lord Neverember 
has fallen ill. Ah, uh, man, th- th- this was me as Leonardo DiCaprio as soon as uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Never Ember is mentioned because Raynar Never Ember shows up many times in the campaign that you and I played uh, as a, yep. a, a frequent uh, NPC uh, and punching bag to the rest of the party. Yeah, <laughs> very much a DNA NPC punching bag. Yeah, yeah. Um. We, uh, yeah, we would pick on him all the time. He was always in need of rescue. Was he a gold dragon in disguise? Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, will we ever that know? That was a joke for literally two years. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to turn out to be useful at some point. Um, yeah, but uh, this is great. So, yeah, these are at Neverwinter um, and Lord Neverember. He's fallen ill. He's he's basically nowhere to be seen for the uh, the majority of the movie. Um, and uh, Fitzwilliam Forge has taken over uh, as Lord. I will say I didn't exactly track, um, like, his rise to power in a sense. Well, he had um, Sophina. The... Yeah, I... I, I... And I guess it was just as simple as that. I think there was a there there was like some lingering things where I think I was reading into it too much, and like he kept saying that like like Kira was important, and like maybe it's I do actually have a daughter, and I thought like yeah, I was yeah. like oh was there some weird like bloodline thing going on here? And then I was like no, he's just powerful now. <laughs> so yeah, it is it is a little mixed, and um, like it's not really well ex- established. But you know I think you know you can do a little bit of hand waving. We say like two years have passed. Yeah. And now he's doing this, right? And now he's in charge of this. Yeah, yeah. And sure, it's surprising. They all seem surprised to see him in this position. But, um, you know, it's not unbelievable, especially when you find out that Sophina is working behind the scenes. And uh, she, he, while she has been poisoning, you know, the, the surrounding area, he has been poisoning the mind of young Kira, telling her that her father abandoned her in pursuit of wealth instead of, of course, pursuit of this tablet of reawakening. And despite their you know, history, Forge is not sympathetic to their fugitive status. He actually pulls out a wanted poster and is like, you guys seem like you're in trouble. And then at that point, Sophina uh, sinks them into the ground and traps them there. And then they lead them off to be executed. Um, uh, and, uh, and of course, Forge continues his lie to Kira saying, oh, your father left uh, because he was, um, you know, he, he didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be your father. He wants to be rich, and that's the only thing he cares about. Actually, I had an embarrassing moment. Like, <laughs> for some reason, like, that scene happened, and then I, like, logged it in my memory of 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 uh, Forge telling Kira that her, her father had died. Mm. And I remember, I remember just, I mainly just remember watching the rest of the movie being like, it's going to be really awkward. If he just shows up and he's not dead. And then, and then later I was like, Oh wait, that's not what he told me. <laughs> so I was watching the movie with that weird twist on the plot happening. The whole time. <laughs> When's that going to drop? Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. Okay. So they're being led away to be executed. They have all these guys around them, but then, you know, they, they, they lean them over, they have them chained up. Um, and, uh, uh, they have the the axe like raised. Holga is distracting them, right? She's asking him about the axe, and he's telling her that he got Forge special and all this stuff. And how does he clean it? You know, <laughs> blank, blank, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so um, they're about to be executed, and then she picks up a cobblestone and fights off like I don't know, twenty guys, fifteen guys yeah. with this one cobblestone. <laughs> um, and of course, they're able to escape with that. Uh, I think uh, um, uh, Edgin's contribution is he hits one guy over the head with his loot. Um, uh, just as he's about to like strike uh, Holga, um, this is like see. Okay, here's the thing, right? In in the game, when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, it's all you know. The combat is turn based. In some cases, can be pretty tedious, right? You're waiting your turn. There's a lot of things to consider. Mm-hmm. 
but it's all very strategic. And, and definitely your combat can be very exciting, can be very tense, can be very satisfying for sure. But sometimes it's not. And because of the way that the game is structured, sometimes you get these like lull moments in the middle of combat or, you know, it's not very exciting or bombastic, at least not the way you see it on screen. So I think this is a change that I was happy to see was like the accentuation of fight scenes, you know, as we're crossing <clears throat> mediums from role-playing game into movie, I liked that they were like, going more they're leaning more into the action movie side than into like the traditional D D side of this because i feel like that's kind of a weakness that you have to play with in a role-playing game not something you have to necessarily do if you're in a movie so i was happy with yeah. this change even if it was a little eye-rolling to see her fight off 15 guys with a cobblestone when they have weapons and armor um and it's like you know oh, i mean I, you know, what, what, you know, what kind of <laughs> roles are she is she making here is it unarmored well, check, if you, you know? think about it like in in a technically like D and D combat, I believe is like six seconds around. So like it's it in, you know, as, as a player, it does kind of like take a while, but it's supposed to give off the narrative, you know, yeah, yeah. explanation that things are happening fast. So I, I do like to imagine that. Uh, and I think they should release a cut, like release the, release the dice cut where uh, <laughs> at the bottom of, uh, at the bottom of the screen during that whole sequence, um, you just saw, it, basically a sequence of uh, uh, her rolling an attack, successfully hitting, Edgin rolling to break out of his binds, failing, and then every single one of the guards missing on their attack rolls. And then you just, all those rolls are just happening in real time, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just every swing, it's just another dice roll, and every miss, it's another dice roll. I think that'd be a funny That cut. would be fun. So really, hashtag release should, the dice You should do cut. that for the whole movie, honestly. I think you could, I think <laughs> yeah, you could. I know, right? That's the thing. That's the thing I think I, I, I appreciate the most, is that there was many moments where I was like, I can picture this as like a moment where someone rolled a dice and it went wrong, you know? Um, which is, yeah. which is I think, a pretty, uh, pretty outstanding. Anyway, so they, they make it out of the city, um, and they meet up with their old friend, Simon the Sorcerer. Uh, uh, they're, they're looking for a plan. They're looking for allies. Simon is the first person they think of. Um, he is putting on a pathetic magic show where he's picking the pockets of his audience while casting pre... Uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, prestidigitation. Yeah, I don't yeah. even say that. Yes, I recognized that immediately <laughs> when he was making smells and like uh, lighting, lighting yeah. candles and stuff. Thought that was hilarious. Um, but while he's doing that, he's like telekinetically picking the pockets of his audience, which is uh, kind of fun. But then Edgin and Holga come in. He recognizes them. Uh, he gets distracted. Uh, you know, misses his concentration check and uh, drops all the things. And then he's he's forced to unleash wild mana into the room. Uh, flipping gravity up Wild and down, magic. yes, um, and uh, yeah. eventually making it out of the place um, and landing in Holga's arms while she's on horseback. The kind of joke with Simon is that he's a terrible sorcerer. He's, he was never very good when they were, um, you know, petty thieves, and now that he's, uh, you know, off by himself and has rejoined the group, he's still not much better. Um, he's just kind of, uh, uh, kind of skating by on his good looks, you might say, or something like that. Simon event uh, leads them to Doric, who is a tiefling druid. Um, Doric can wild shape into a number of animals, um, but when she really wants to wreck shop, she turns into a massive owl bear. Um, she's also a member of the Emerald Enclave, which uh, my character, Gent, of course, was a member of the Emerald Enclave, courtesy of Nick. Um, and yes, an organization I did embarrassingly little with. Sorry. <laughs> no, they show up occasionally. Occasionally I'd come to them and be like, hey, I have this problem. And they're like, the, yeah, wind, very... the wind says there's a dragon <laughs> up north. 
Um, yeah, I, I had a hard time uh, <laughs> taking advantage of them. Learning how to DM and stuff like that was uh, um, I, I wish I could have done better. Uh, no, it was fine. They were there. Yeah, yeah. they were there. So, it, was, it was enough for me to appreciate <laughs> yeah. this movie. Um, so I, you know, I'll, I'll... and I, I mean, I definitely had the same thought when you know when they named drought that. Yeah. You know, my mind went to I was like, ah, oh, Joey's character, Jet. <laughs> that's where they were. Um, Good stuff. I thought it was uh, an interesting choice, um, but I, I definitely like see why they did it. Of um, they really kind of took a lot of the D and D classes and kind of like uh, you know compressed them down into like a like very distinguished characteristics. Because one thing to note is um, not only can like you know druids wild shape and animals, they also can use magic. Um, and Edgin is I'm. I can only assume is a bard and he never used anything, let alone any of the magic that bards usually yes. do. Um, but I, I do think that probably make, you know, was probably a, a smart choice. Um, Cause I could, I could very much see a, a confusing situation coming up where you have to like have an in-character conversation of like, so you could do magic um, and transform into animals and you can only do really bad magic to so, yeah, Well, the difference is uh, druids can only learn forest magic. And then, you know, and then, you know, it's like, there's a lot of like real weird intricacies when you like, especially if you become a spellcaster at D and D you have to flip through those, like, you know, <laughs> that thick tome of spells just to figure out what the heck you're doing. Um, I, I definitely see where they kind of were like, let's, let's, let's try and figure out the, like the key things that make these particular classes kind of what they are. Um, and so like wild shape, for example, I think very much is like a druid thing and they, they just leaned into that. And, you know, that was kind of her superpower and not a little bit more you know traditional to what's in the books of what druids could be. Yes. This is something I really want to talk about because my biggest gripe with this movie is that Edgen doesn't do nearly enough cool bard stuff. You know, there's so many cool things <laughs> bards can do. You know, I would, I would, I would so loved it if there was a single bardic inspiration in here, right? Just to like, yeah. you know, kind of boost something they were trying or or, or anything, right? Like even if um, he, when uh, Simon is later attuning to this helmet, right, and Edgin gives him sort of a pep talk, and then he, and then he can do it, I'd be like, hey, that's a bardic inspiration. I would, I would, I would have really appreciated that, you know, but. I, I guess my question to you would be like, how would you how would you show that in a film medium, you don't right? Because like you could say he did, he could maybe he did give the bardic inspiration, right? And it was literally just his speech and then their change of thought, right? Because sure. in game, bardic inspiration is like you know you get an extra d4, you get an extra d8 to that role you're making. Um, and I don't know, I'm just curious. Wait, do you have a do you think you, there's a good way to like show that off as like this is his ability um, and not just the talking, which he did do? You, you know? know, I think I think you can mix it in with the talking, or you know, have him play a song that's related to the thing that they're going on, and then the per like show a reaction on the face, right? Like ah, uh, like, and it's some sort of confidence building, right? And then they like go in there and do it, and it's like oh, like he can like. You know, it's it's you don't have to make it like as obvious as like I snap my fingers and time stops, yeah. right? You you make it kind of you know you you really uh, you know do do everything as, as flavor, right? But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I see. I agree with you and I disagree with you because I I think that it is a smart choice not to complicate things, right? Give everybody one power, make it simple. Give you know, have mm -hmm. one spellcaster that can do a wide variety of you know, just kind of magic, you know, we'll just call it all magic yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> worry about what it is later. Um, and then, you know, if you have everybody can do magic, it's not as much fun, but as you know, an appreciator of this game, I, the, the wide variety of um, abilities that's available to many of these classes, I think doesn't go, um, uh, isn't on display in this movie. You know, if you're, if you're coming into yeah. this being like, Oh, I want to see someone 
do something cool, all you're really going to see is kind of these, you know, spellcaster people do anything. And you're, you're going to you think, oh, well, being a bard is lame. There's nothing that bards can do. But they even <laughs> cast a, a minor illusion right where he's uh he's he's like playing as himself yeah. which is a classic bard move so like uh, yeah and instead they had the sorcerer right, right. kind of yeah, thing so yeah i, I you know um. I, I don't know i was i was torn because i feel like yes i think to make it to simplify it it makes sense but at the same time it's just like you're really shelling these these uh you know these classes short in, in my opinion yeah no i i i mean it, as someone who obviously plays D and D and knows a lot of the specifics, I would love to see more of that. I just, I definitely get why they probably didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, maybe it goes even a level deeper. Cause like, you know, traditional in traditional D and D bards were like the worst class in D and D. So maybe this is just another meta joke at how awful bards used to be. Okay. You know? I mean, who's really to say you could be right. You could be exactly right. Okay, so the Emerald Enclave, which I don't think I ever really explained beyond that I my character was supposed to be a member of it. Um, they're oh, they're yeah, a yeah, group sorry. of uh, magic-wielding environmentalists who are opposed to Neverwinter's expansion and consumption. They're sort of the tree-hugging, um, you know, uh, Antifa, you might say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did like that their forest was literally like... You know, there was maybe like ten feet of forest remaining yeah, yeah, yeah. before it's it got like, to the tree. Really big, like, clear-cut, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so now they have this small group, right? They got the four of them, and they're discussing their issue. The magic talisman that Edgen is after most likely resides in a vault inside of Forge's castle. Um, and there's going to be a gladiator fight in a few days that everyone will be attending. A classic movie thing. Let's throw everyone into a big mm-hmm. coliseum. We've, we really haven't gotten past Roman times or Ben-Hur at this point. Um, <laughs> we're, always, we're always doing gladiator stuff. Um, I mean, as a DM, you know I love uh, I love my arena. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I love my my little tur- that was tournament arcs are tournament arcs are best. That, that yeah, tournament arc was a, was a highlight for sure. Um, that was really fun. <laughs> anyway, so there, there's this big gladiator style fight going, going on in a few days, and all these great people, all the people in the city are going to be attending. All of these rich nobles are coming from all around to attend as well, and they'll be betting on the event. Um, so all of their valuables that they take with them to bet on bet with or whatever, right? They're going to be in the vault as well. So, this creates a great opportunity to hit Forge right where it hurts, his wallet, right? Get into the vault, steal the talisman, steal the gold, and, you know, you guys make out like bandits. Um, so, first step, of course, is surveillance. Doric transforms into a fly and enters the castle. She spies on the vault door until Sophina and Forge show it to two of their rich patrons. Sophina announces the name of the magical lock, which is Mordekainen. Did I say that right? Yep, Mordenkainen's lock. Mordenkainen's lock. I don't know why it was important that it was his lock. I think I feel like that was just a like a little like, if you know, you if know. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but but then, so Sofina is showing the door, and then she's and then she suddenly senses Doric in the room, and she starts pointing and screaming. The druid flies, scampers, climbs, and runs, transforming into a mouse, a hawk, a cat, a big chicken thing, and finally a deer to just barely escape the grasp of the guards. What did you think of this sequence? I thought this was I thought this was really really cool. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Uh, I think it was interesting. They kind of like gave up when she was on the other side of the gate. They're like, ah, you're out of our lands. We can't get you now. <laughs> um, um, Not my jurisdiction. Uh, but I, I yeah, <laughs> outside of our jurisdiction. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a lot. Of, I, I did think it was fun to like, yeah, just like like see all the different wild shapes. Um, 
see the the different things that she got into as she you know moved around and did different things like that and people chasing her um it was it was wonky and again released the dice cut you could you could see the little like you know failed stealth roll you know yep, yep. uh all right well i'm gonna hide in this suit of armor uh, another stealth roll who are you oh another failed stealth roll <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm out i'm on a bird all right make an acrobatics check and you flew into the flag good for you <laughs> yeah but she dodged all those arrows yeah that was it was awesome yeah yeah, yeah no i i completely agree like it was like a bunch of things going right a bunch of things going wrong all at once right and all these transformations that were really cool very very exciting very tense didn't know if she was going to get caught or what um but it seemed like she had like the upper hand but they were right behind her the whole time there were all these guys were jumping down the stairs after the mouse they caught her in the suit of armor every clever chick that that she came up with they were some sort of thwart to it so i i i felt like it was uh it was very exciting and um it was really fun to watch so i i really i thought it was a, one of the highlights of this whole movie honestly I did think, uh, again, this is, this is my weird, weird brain interpreting the movie from a pacing perspective, the way they jumped from them, like planning to check out the vault to suddenly inspecting the vault and there being a fly there. For some reason I was like, Ooh, this must be another Druid trying to get uh, in there. <laughs> Cause I was like, they were just talking about it. They can't already be at the vault <laughs> looking at it. That's how plans work. <laughs> and it work. wasn't until she like turned into herself when I was like, Oh no, this is just her like scoping it out. That's how plans work in movies, Nick. They're always talking about yeah. them or not talking about them and, that, and showing it to them. So Yep. <laughs> um, okay, so back at the pub, um, Simon recognizes the magic lock and knows of only one way to get inside, the Helm of Disjunction. Um, so this magic helmet can dis disable spells at will, given the user can attune to it. Only problem, the last time it was ever seen was 100 years ago in a battle. Luckily, Holga knows the location of the battle, and Simon has a charm that lets him speak with the dead for a brief amount of time. Um, yeah, this is a bunch of, like, conveniences. Everybody recognizes different parts of this. You know, everyone's rolling well in their history checks and all that. Uh, but it's... Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought this was fine, because honestly, like, what else are they going to do? Have them go to a library and look it up? Like, it's just, like... It's very convenient to have everybody just know everything because um, we, we got a story to tell. We got all this time to wander around yeah. figuring out what's going on. Let's, uh, you know, let's just. And again, that's just a that's just DM styles, right? Yep. Some of your DMs want you to go check out the library. Some of them are like, no, we don't like the library. We like Libraries to get to are it. For we, you guys already know yeah, everything. You're, yeah, I, I, I'm, I am, I, I am very much a. Everybody in here, roll the table. Someone got above a five. I'm <laughs> telling you the information. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you've heard yeah, of this yeah, thing it's, it's here it's here yeah um okay so on the way to the battlefield holga stops at home um which she had hasn't seen in two years uh to visit with halfling bradley cooper um yeah surprise cameo, which is uh, of course her her ex-partner um bradley has moved on while holga was in jail but wishes her well and hopes she can find peace with her decisions and uh as she leaves holga takes a walking stick uh, with him that she had previously gifted to him. Um, I believe they also did, did just trying to remember, did they, they, they had split up before the jail part, right? I don't know. No, she, uh, I think they, she mentioned in a letter or she mentioned, she received a letter from him that um, uh, said that they didn't want, she didn't, he didn't want to be with her anymore. Or at least uh, Edgin mentioned that she received a letter that said that she, he didn't want to be a partner with her anymore. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. That's, Cause I was thinking the whole reason she was with Edgin was because she was like avoiding her. Right. So there is a bit of a backstory husband, here. I don't right. remember if this is explained right here or not. I think it kind of is, but she was a part of some sort of barbarian tribe. Right. Um, yeah. And then she left that tribe to be with uh, Bradley Cooper. Um, 
which mm-hmm. isn't his real name, but I he's Halfling Brad yeah. Cooper. Or <laughs> it's more or fun. Rocket uh, from uh Yeah <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Um he he uh and because of that, she was exiled from her tribe. And so that's why she joined mm-hmm. up with Edgin. And then um she gotcha, she yeah. like was always bitter about it or or like was always trying to like make right with it. Um, which led to a lot of animosity between her and Bradley Cooper, um, which was something that he mentioned as a reason why they weren't like compatible anymore. I thought it was a a nice, uh, healthy take on a relationship. For, for sure. sure, you know, there's no was like I I see your your new wife, your new girlfriend, and I I smash all your stuff yeah, yeah. in. It was it was very it was a very like adult, surprisingly adult take on a you know a a hurtful situation, but a you know a. A, a healthy look at what this would would be like without being too toxic for anything. It had the so, classic um, the guy has moved on, but to a person who looks just like the previous yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious, love that. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was good, I, and I I thought Michelle Rodriguez nailed this part. You know, she's you know a tough uh, person, a tough woman in most of her role. She's usually some sort of fighter or you know muscle. Even in the <laughs> Fast and Furious franchise, where she's technically a love interest, she's like you know a badass person even in this yeah. one she she kind of falls into that typecast but i thought this was a, a wonderful opportunity for her to really emote and to show some emotion and give some heart to one of our characters um which really pays off in the end um you know yeah. uh, so i thought Spoilers, i think that end, um, <laughs> i think that's uh, uh wonderful and I, I thought she really did a good job and i was surprised that she had this moment but i thought it was well earned and uh, well done too so uh, again it's something i, really I think it's also yeah it's also impressive to be both like emoting, but it's not like without dropping the like the barbaric yeah, yeah, yeah. persona, right? Like it was, it you know, it wasn't like she walks inside, no one, none of her friends are looking, and she's this like different person, right? It was like still this barbaric fighter, or barbaric barbarian, sure, or whatever. Sure. But yeah, but but you know, a a softer side that doesn't that doesn't sacrifice the the, the character that is her. So. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Well done. Um, yeah. Yes, and I, honestly, I felt like her her performance near the beginning, I felt was a little stilted. I was I was a little taken out by it, but I as the movie went on, I really got used to it and started to realize that what she was doing. So I I, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was uh, well executed all around um, by Michelle Rodriguez. Um, okay, so these guys after meeting up with Bradley Cooper and getting the walking stick, they go to the gravesite of the battle. Um, and so the crew is there digging up body after body and asking each one exactly five questions, um, uh, before they are allowed to be put back to rest, which is very funny. Uh, the, this is well played out. <laughs> I thought this was like a great little bit here where they had to keep digging up more bodies and asking them questions following the path of the battle. They got little snapshots of it, <laughs> um, from the way that they were describing it, which was fun. I thought like getting the exposition from piece by piece and eventually getting to the point and then at the end you see all those coffins that they had opened in order to get to where they're trying to go Uh, and they meet the guy who slipped and fell before the battle even started (laughs) and died there that was great classic like medieval battle stuff where you die before the battle even starts um yeah Uh, and very much making fun of just like the weird nuances of D and D spells, right? Yes. Like the, you know, the, you get five questions. Let's like, why five? It's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Seems arbitrary. Yeah. 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 See, I thought this is good. And this is like, I think where the character of Edgin and Chris Pine kind of shine through, right? Because he's sort of, you know, he's always kind of poking fun at everything. He doesn't seem super serious, right? He's, he's very much a Marvel uh, superhero uh, like type, mm-hmm. you know, he, like everything is kind of a joke to him, but you know, he's, 
he's got this heart to him and he is definitely this um you know that's kind of how he fits in this into the world right is he is kind of a jokey uh unserious like kind of a um what's the word jester type character and bard right yeah exactly so (laughs) you know he's very he's always very light and um this whole thing where they're like uh, you know, making fun of this idea that if you only ask him five questions and then they go back to sleep is, uh, I think, a kind of a goes into the kind of jokey nature that would happen during a session where something like this would happen. Yeah. But without feeling like they're totally breaking the story, right? It, and that's just <laughs> something I was worried about when I saw the trailer that included parts of these moments. So I was like, oh, is this just going to be all meta jokes about like the mechanics of D and D? And I, I, I thought that. You know they were kind of leaning toward that area, but ultimately the the it was funny enough that it kind of overcame that for me. Yeah, I, I haven't exactly figured out like where on my scale of like okay with it versus annoyed by it. I exactly yeah. am. Um, but but I did think this the way I the way I <laughs> I described it was I thought this movie was very uh, R D and D memes, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes. Um, yes. You know it was it was like uh, a lot of times. And, and and that's like, you know back to this weird meta metaness of it. Sometimes I, I I was just like they'd you know make some of these comments and I'd be like okay like that is literally like that is a post someone would make on our D and D memes, and it would be like and and it, you get two responses. You get the people that are like haha yes that does happen, and then you have the people that are like like annoyed at the joke because it's so obvious. You know like <laughs> there's like another level to it and like. I almost couldn't tell, are we supposed to laugh at the joke because the joke is funny? Or are we supposed to laugh at the dumbness of the joke because it's so overtrodden, right? Like mm. like all of these d and it's not, it's not like these D&D meme type jokes were original by any memes. They're on the, the D&D meme subreddit, right? So sometimes those, those jokes would happen and I was like, I can't tell if I'm supposed to be laughing with this or at this joke. Yeah, um, but I think, and, this, I, I think it's a good point, right? But I do think that in the effort that this movie is trying to make to capture the feeling it's like to play the game in a moment like this, where you have mm-hmm. this arbitrary rule, right? You can get frustrated with it or you can laugh at it. And this, yeah. I think making this into a comedic sequence makes it feel more like you're playing the game. Because if you are in this situation as a player, you would be so tempted to make all sorts of jokes about like how many questions you asked or like how, what kind of questions yeah, would you yeah. ask if you had to think of a question off the top of your head? So like those are, um, you know, I think that it, I think it worked within the kind of the story, but it was leaning toward the like jokey nature of it. But, you know, uh, the way that my wife describes me playing Dungeons and Dragons is just me laughing for three hours. So okay. <laughs> like that's yeah. how she hears. I think it's just good, me right? laughing really hard. So I think that, I think there is a, like a part that's appropriate for that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, de- definitely. I, 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 Again, it's like a it's like a weird scale I'm trying to find find myself yeah, on yeah. of like, um, yeah, because it's like there's also just like 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 if you if you're not familiar with D and D, a lot of these jokes are novel, sure. right? And so then there's nothing against that, right? It'd be it'd be similar of like, say we were playing this game, we've been playing the campaign we've been played for two years, and say like 
say the whole time you had that raised dead spell, like, yeah, first time you use it, pretty funny joke. But then, like, if you did that every single time, right, it'd be like, like, like yeah, Joey, like, haha, you can only ask five questions, <laughs> dude. Like, get some new material, right? <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> um, 100%. And so, yeah, it's like, sometimes I wonder, you know, it's just like, it's like, and I, I think it makes sense to kind of cater more to the general audience of people like that. Um, but I, I, I guess that, that's, that's where my point is, like, like, I don't think there's anything wrong of if you're unfamiliar with it, you can laugh at the joke. And for me, I feel it's overdone. So I'm going to laugh at, or they're going to laugh with the joke. I'm going to laugh at the joke. But I don't think there's anything wrong with laughing at the joke. I'm just I'm. Yeah. I wonder what the writers thought. That's, that is a good point. And, and that is like a thing is that this movie isn't really for like Dungeons and Dragons enthusiasts or like people who play Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. I mean, it is a little bit because there's definitely elements of it. And there's, you know, call, it's in the world, right? So you're going to recognize places and people and things like that. But, you know, <laughs> they oversimplify the classes, right? Um, there's, 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 there's a simplisticness to the story in a way, right? There's not, there's not a whole lot of moral <laughs> dilemma at play. And, um, and, even, and even something like this where um, it's something that if you're familiar with, then you've already reached, you've already tread this ground. It, it's, it's, it makes it feel as if, um, this movie isn't really for people that play it, right? It's for people that are trying to introduce people to the world or try to, you know, branch off into the cinematic universe of Dungeons and Dragons way more than they are trying to make a, um, a true tribute to the game in a way. So, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but then, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into this. We can move on. But yeah, like, it makes me wonder, like, I, I feel like, I feel like you do have to have some D&D knowledge though, right? Because, like, if you have no idea what D&D is and you think this is just, like, another generic fantasy movie, like, then I almost wonder if the opposite effect happens where, like, do you laugh at the wide at the five-question joke? Because if you don't know that that's referencing a spell in D&D that only gets five questions, someone might just be like, like, I don't get it. Like, Well, they explain what question. it is, like, why right? Is it a, why is it an arbitrary five questions, right? Or something sure, like that, right? sure. Huh? Sure. I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. They don't have to explain it beyond, like, you know, it's just it's just how it is in the in the world. But that's how it. But like it, that's a restraint like that makes sense if you're playing a game, right? Because otherwise yeah. you can break it wide open. So yeah, but mm-hmm. still, like, I don't know. I I think there's enough of an explanation there that you don't necessarily need to have that backstory. And while you're watching a movie, people are just willing to accept whatever you tell them. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't think these are like big criticisms or faults in the movie. They're just it's it's. I just think they are interesting talking points considering. This is like, well, you got this mix. These of are audiences, not conversations right? you can have about most movies, yeah, right? Well, this so is, you I got this mix a... of audiences you have to cater to, right? You got people like yeah. us who are definitely going to go see this movie because we play the game frequently, and then you've got people that mm-hmm. will be like, "Well, what's big right now?" You know, and they'll go out to see the movie. Yeah, and yeah. you you want to make sure that you have something that's that's accessible without being too bogged down in the details, which is famously. D's biggest problem and why it's so hard yeah. for people to play is because there's all these things you have to think about all these details you have to worry about yeah you know for people of you like me and you who love rules this is something that yeah. you know we enjoy but it's for um you know the casual you know uh checkers player this is not something that uh is going to appeal to them so uh, it is that balance there i don't know i i think generally the more i think about it the more i'm like i shouldn't like this but the you know i i came away from this movie feeling very charitable toward it and feeling very like, like, like yeah, I had a good time. And, and, I, and I did too. So, right? I feel so like, that's why I think it's interesting so I, to talk about. I honestly about, yeah. feel like, you know, they made the right choice here. And, and I feel 
I'd feel like kind of disingenuous criticizing it too much because I feel like this was kind of a calculated move and ultimately it, it came out um, with me feeling favorable toward it. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is interesting to think about, though, because I, I, I was thinking about the same types of things you were, which was how are they going to balance this plus like. How is this a reference to something else? And what exactly are they referencing, right? Are they referencing the yeah. game or are they referencing the game without side of the game? Are they referencing the, the memes about the game? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. <laughs> so they follow the tale of the battle um, and they eventually discover that the helm of disjunction has been passed from warrior to warrior until it's picked up by Zenk Yendar. Zenk is a formal paladin with a flair for the philanthropic. He travels from town to town, solving bizarre problems and talking like he has a stenographer following him. Um, I, I really like his introduction. I thought it's amazing. Uh, the first, first when they, um, they're all, they all mentioned that they know him, right? And they're like, oh, I've heard of him. He's so amazing. And then yeah. he shows up on the dock and he pulls a baby out of the mouth of a <laughs> fish. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. what was happening here? Like, like, oh, like my baby was being eaten by a fish. And then he's just like, fish give up the baby and then the baby then he just pulls the baby out and the baby's fine yeah i i thought that was yeah. hilarious uh it's just like really bizarre but like you know it's it's a, a literally a um save the cat moment here where he saves the uh yeah, yeah. Uh, the cat person's or i guess the tabaxi uh the tabaxi woman's tabaxi, yeah, uh, yeah. a child mm-hmm. um yeah 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 i really like think i think he's i think he's fun um i think he's really cool i i like the aspect of him like like he is the like you know the higher leveled npc that's yes. gonna tag along for yes, a little bit exactly what I was thinking. he's not gonna he's not gonna overstay his that's welcome right. you know he's gonna help you with your little mission i was like this um, guy's such an npc like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um not to hopefully the last time i bring up the weird meta-ness of it but I, but i did it did it was rubbing me similar to the points we were just making in a weird way of like i was like i feel like like the joke is that he's everybody's like joke of what a paladin is but the only people I know that play paladins that way are like from those like D and D horror story, you know, mm. <laughs> posts online or something like that. Right. I feel like most people don't actually play paladins like that because they are kind of annoying and a little bit one noted. And like for the sake of this movie, I think it worked at the plot rise really well. But again, that was just another weird meta moment of, I was just like, I was like, are they just taking the regular paladin joke that everyone thinks, or are they like, are they leaning into it because they know it's the joke that everyone thinks it is, or like, how am I supposed to interpret this paladin joke? But, <laughs> but I did, I did really like him. So. For me, I think it is the surface level. Like, this is how paladins are, right? And like, mm-hmm. I came away with this from this like feeling very strongly that he was an NPC. You know, that he was not a member of the yeah. party. He was a member of, he was just a part of the world, part of the lore, right? And if this was a game, he'd be played by the dm um so yeah yeah from that perspective it makes sense for him to be like by the book because this movie is by the book you know it's it's taking directly from no, yeah, it yeah. so it makes sense for him to like just kind of show up be annoying and then leave right um uh, which is mm-hmm. you know a paladin's whole deal so um but i mean it, 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 like the i guess the specific thing i think of right is like if if someone's ever played a paladin before and they're going to come in you know like a very traditional dnd sense is like in like literally in in early editions of D anD D, in order to be a paladin, you had to be like lawful good mm. on that on the alignment chart. And if you ever like 
changed alignment, you would just lose your paladinness because it was like literally a prerequisite to being a paladin. So like obviously that's where a lot of like these jokes come from that like the paladin is like like what are we doing? And it's like we need to break into that store to get or we need to break into the vault to get the treasure out of there. And then it's just like I cannot do that. That is against the law. And it's just like well, it's like yeah, but we're stopping the bad guy, you know. And it's yeah, like yeah. like those are the joke conversations that it's just like like you can create an interesting paladin who is lawful good and is not that annoying to the book, right? right. And I feel like as a D&D community, we've moved past the point where that is what a paladin is. And it felt just weirdly backwards to be like, oh no, we're going back to that. We're going back to that weird paladin that everyone always joked about when like, we've grown past that. We can create interesting paladins again. And I I feel like that's what I'm afraid of is that like, you've, like, you've toxic people, like people are going to get into this game and now they're going to rethink that that's what a paladin is. So it's like, no, but you can, you can write really interesting paladins who don't have to be annoying lawful good like that yeah, yeah, yeah no. but again this, this is, is this is this is, this is, this is the this is a very interesting so. point because i do think that based on the number of decisions that like you know wizards of the coast uh, and like the parent companies for D have made especially over the last year that have been extremely <laughs> unpopular they don't really necessarily yes. <laughs> seem to be in touch with you know how everybody feels about it yeah you know and so i think that there is this and i think this is not a criticism that is fair to this movie, but perhaps it will be to the sequels is um, that they're going to be following the, the letter of the book as closely as possible because that's what they're trying to sell, right? They're trying to sell you <laughs> on not the concept of playing a role-playing game, but playing specifically Dungeons and Dragons. And what they've done here is create some sort of opening, right? They opened a window or a door to the wider world by creating a, mo a movie, but they're still going to they're never going to break free from that grasp right they're all, they're never going to let the truly weird shine right it's always going to be yeah. uh, for lack of a better term sorry nick uh disneyfication of of this franchise <laughs> well you have to say well, you have to say sorry to me i don't know what you mean i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> so it, it's it's this um it's this kind of you know I don't want to say whitewashing but like smoothing right it, it's it's this <clears throat> buffering of kind of this the beauty of like the awkwardness of a role-playing game into something that feels very polished and maybe this is yeah. the, the same criticism that people give to the newer editions of 5e where they've made the game simpler and more accessible but i think it applies specifically to the as written rules right i think that in all the games that i've i've played you know there's this frustration with the way that things are currently written and this move toward more homebrew content which at first i felt like was something that the game really was pushing for right it was like well we want we want to give you some of the basic building blocks and then make something completely your own out of it but the more you see this kind of interaction with the parent companies you know, you see that it's really this controlling factor where like we want everything to be exactly the way you want it to do it. This is a game where your where your imagination can run wild, but only so far. We we only want yeah. it to we want to be contained within the safe boundaries that we have assigned for you, right? Yeah. That's kind of the I think that's kind of the feeling that is pulling at us here. And ultimately there's enough mm -hmm. fun stuff to be played in the base game that they can make a fun movie out of it. But honestly, it's hard to know how soon they'll run dry with something like that, you know? And yeah, that goes to my point about like why I don't know if a sequel would work yeah. because like like I don't think these jokes will land because a lot of things that they they worked in a sense because like 
kind of because of this weird meta context of things. And like, I feel like if you keep making them, you're going to get to the point where like, like, like I said, like right now, I don't know if the writers were saying like, let's do this surface level joke or because we, because people think it's kind of funny or let's do the surface level joke because people know it's the old hashings of this. Right. And if they keep doing the same old, same old, I'm just going to become convinced that like, no, they are out of touch and they don't get like what we like about the game and stuff like that. Right. And as like, you perfectly know, like the campaign that we play in now we've, we've moved completely away from the books. Right. And I am, you know, uh, much happier for you it. Know, putting down the tracks in front of me as I go, <laughs> as I you know <laughs> try and do like a homebrew stuff. But I think that gives us a lot more creative freedom to do different things like that, right? And I like I, I think that's where like the game like this shines. And so yeah, I it, it does make me worried where like you know like this the, like I, even like if you stick about this movie as a whole, right? It was like it was a super generic like plot. Yes. And and we all accepted that. And I came away knowing it was going to be that, and I was happy that it was that. But if you give me movie number two. And, you know, you either have to give me generic plot again, in which case I'm like, well, I kind of already saw that. Or you have to, like, do something different, which to me almost, like, makes me think that they think it's something more than it is. In which case, you know, <laughs> it's just like, no, it was a dumb little plot. Don't they? You can't really get any, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, would, I would say this is what I would think. This is the, how I usually approach this kind of question is Occam's razor, yeah. right? Don't give them too much credit. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. <laughs> it, the, the truth is that I think it's, it's much more likely that they are simply um, doing what's right in front of them and they're not, you know, yeah. reacting to the memes necessarily. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing about memes, right? Nick is that uh, I know I, uh, I, I consider myself somewhat of a meme expert. I, I'm actually reading a book right now called... A meme lord, you might say. <laughs> yes. I'm actually reading a book right now called Meme Wars, uh, which is about <laughs> political memes. Anyway, it's... Um, you know, memes come in cycles, right? There's there's the ironic memes, and then there's the post-ironic memes. Yeah. And, what, you know, we're, we're in a state of post-irony right now, right? Where um, yeah. it, it's, it's wrapped all the way back around to appear sincere when it's of course not so um you know uh, i guess we'll see where how things go in the future but uh, again i think this worked for this movie i was happy with 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 the decision they made um uh you know so anyway yeah uh zank shows up uh he's annoying but uh charming at the same time (laughs) um uh edgin of course is suspicious of him because he sort of fits the same role except that he's more badass than edgin um and he, uh, the rest of the group seem perfectly uh, fine with him and happy to work with him. Um, and they, he's especially happy to be with him because he demonstrates how masterful of a fighter he is. So Zink doesn't just know where the helm is. He personally hid it in the Underdark. Ah, the Underdark. Classic. You know, I freaking yeah. love that they, they, they slotted this in here, even for a short time. Um, so after... Yeah. There's another one that's like, oh, name yeah. drop. That's a place. <laughs> after hearing that the party's plans, about the party's plans to, uh, uh, to you know, steal the treasure and everything, that he agrees to help. So um, it, with one condition, that Edgin uh, promises to give all the loot back to the people of Neverwinter, um, uh, which would fulfill his promise as a former Harper, which is to do good, uh, but not for your own sake, right? Um, and uh, Edgin, of course, agrees, but very reluctantly. So uh, Edgin is also, or, sorry, Zank is also very well aware of Sophina and the Red Wizard's plot. They actually have this spell that he knows all about where they can transform ordinary people into mindless savages. Um, and of course, he's worried about them using it again. It appears they use, they use some sort of like 
uh, horn. It looks like a demon horn of some kind, you know. And then uh, I don't know. It could have been D and D nerds come at me. It, <laughs> it could have been the horn of Orcus, which okay. is a like famous D and D. I mean, because they're turning them into undead people. Orcus is like the D and D demon of undead uh, people, okay. and he has a mystic artifact called the horn. But I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's like maybe that's what they're nodding at. I don't know if that's what they're going for, but it was a horn. Yeah, yeah. And that's a thing in yeah, the game. Yeah, it's like a glowing red and uh, like black horn that uh, looks pretty sinister. Um, anyway, so uh, Zeng leads them. He's like, I agree. I think the Red Wizards are bad. I'm going to help you with this. So they go to the under Underdark, um, and the party faces many challenges. There are walking brains that target the intelligent. Um, a bridge with a secret path, undead assassins, you guys those, right? and uh, pudgy and pudgy dragon. Oh wait, okay. So the brains. Okay, so he said the brains target people with high intelligence. Is that what it's supposed to do? Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. I don't. I don't think so. Well, because it's almost like counterintuitive because the. I, I, I could pull up the stat block, but I'm pretty sure they attack you, and if you fail an intelligence check, they eat your brain. Mm. So I feel like they're more inclined to want to attack dumb people because mm. they're more likely to kill you. But maybe that's supposed to be the counteracting mechanism of, like, instead of killing all of your dumb people, like, they're supposed to go for your high people who should pass it or something like that. I don't remember. Um, Interesting. Yeah. They're, 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 they are, like, uh, I think they're, they're, like, notoriously dangerous low-level monsters because, like, like, they don't really do all that much, and they're pretty easy to kill, but it's one of these, like, oh, you failed an intelligence check? You're dead. <laughs> no death saving throws. <laughs> he just ate your brain. You know? It's just like, no, no, no. it's like, throw one of these in if you want to just straight up kill one of your party members <laughs> on in session two. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, I don't remember. I don't think we ever faced anything like that. Um, I, well, I think I think that was in, like, the opening. Like, the very first boss. I oh, think one of them right. didn't almost eat It didn't have Martin. a little brain. Yeah. Uh, I, I think almost, it was one I, of almost, them. I went down because the brain was attacking me. Is it you or some? I, I feel like someone rolled and you guys were like, like still learning the rules and was like, was like, uh, how much damage is that? <laughs> and it was like two points away from immediately killing you or something. Like that. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I remember there being a brain. Now, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's reminiscing. Yeah. Um, I I thought these were interesting, especially the um the bridge with the secret path, right? So. Zank is saying like, mm -hmm. oh, it's a very simple thing. You just jump to the left, jump to the right. Yeah. Uh, flip flop. I mean, that was a very obvious like joke against D &D everybody. Puzzles, right? Clap your and hands. So, yeah. Clap your um, hands. Yeah. But, and then yeah, it, it was. And then of course Simon steps on the thing, and the whole thing collapses, which is of course what happens, you know, uh, because there's absolutely no way anybody's making uh, every single one of these people are making it across this bridge unscathed. So um, it was it yeah. was good that they did this. But at this point. He, uh, Simon actually discovers that Holga's walking stick is actually a portal gun. Uh, sorry, a hither, hither, hither <laughs> staff, which is you know, basically creates portals. Pretty cool uh, device, honestly. And they use it over and over again to escape the dungeon and eventually, um, eventually make it back to the surface with the helm. Oh, so uh, uh, the other thing that they they faced, which I kind of glanced over, was a pudgy dragon. Um, he shows up. Um, all of a sudden, and he's very, very rotund. He's rolling around uh, and making lots of like fat noises. And uh, he, uh, he's kind of cute in his uh, terrifying type way. And he's trying to eat all of our heroes. He does eat a bunch of um, undead assassins, uh, which is uh, pretty fun. Yeah. I, I, and then, you know, we're just going to say it again, you know, checking off the boxes. We've got dungeons. We got dragons. We're, we're good. <laughs> we're, we've, we've hit all the quotas, people. We've done it. 
clap, yep. you know, wipe your, End of the movie wipe there. your hands but... with that. Um, at some point, an ampersand will show up and we'll be, we'll be good to go. Um, anyway, so they make it back with the helm safely. And uh, then Zenk leaves them uh, on their quest, walking in a straight line uh, away from them. Uh, yes. Pretty, pretty comic moment. Very. Uh, this NPC is too powerful for the final boss, <laughs> so I have to get rid of him. That's yeah. right. That's right. He has other things to do. That's right. So um, Simon struggles to attune to the helm. When he while he wears it, time stops. The world melts and shifts, and he's able to talk to a very rude version of his great grandfather, who was also a sorcerer. Each time Simon puts on the helmet, it flies off his head, and he's thrown backwards. So. I should incorporate something like this more yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. So games. I, I, I know that it's... attunement, a lot of times when I deal with attunement in my campaigns, it's sort of hand waved, right? It's like, oh, you can attune to it. You know, you have enough, you can spend an hour attuning to it or whatever, right? The, the main reason I think mechanically attunement is a thing in the game is for two reasons. One, because it takes an hour, it disallows people from like, you know, like switching equipment min battle it basically means like you have to commit to an item when you want to do it um and also it um technically there is like a limited number of attunement slots so it, it's kind of a way to give you know you can have a bag of holding with 500 great swords in it but you know by having this attunement limit, it kind of says, like, let's not go too crazy because you kind of have, you know, you do have an inventory with a, num a limited number of spaces and stuff like that. So um, th and, and, and those are very, like, you know, gamey reasons for having attunement. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think it makes sense why this was very much kind of abstracted into a more like story type thing. Um, but that's not to say even in game. Right. Like I said, I, I think this would be fun to adapt. and I've never really done much with this but it, it it does make sense to be like oh you'd like to attune this thing then you know i i mean there are very much uh uh actually maybe i have done this maybe too soon but like there are a lot of situations where it's like i would like to attune to this item and you do have to like you know roll an intelligence check to see if you are smart enough to put this thing on or something like that right um uh but i i guess i i don't think i've seen them that much you know as in it as narratively described as you know transported to another world where someone talks to you and then you know knocks the helmet off of your head when it doesn't work it's you know uh, yeah yeah which um, i think is another change or maybe not change but like a, a maybe a lean into that i think works really well in the movie environment right yeah. and you know attunement is sort of arbitrary anyway they could have just gone away with it altogether and said like you know <clears> he puts it on and, and it's fine right you don't you can just totally wave it away but having this be a narrative thing especially with simon's arc of like being a bad sorcerer fits really really well and it makes sense it gives a challenge and it gives some sort of stakes to the world where you're like oh we have this super powerful very convenient item but it requires some effort in order to use it right it's not just you yeah. can pick it up and use it um so i appreciated that from the from the narrative point of the movie and i think yeah i think it works really well as a plot device for simon to overcome and something uh, interesting to show in the movie too you know i think there's a lot of really cool special effects but i really appreciated the way the world changed when he had the helmet on i thought that like yeah. it looks like oil like what like or watercolor kind of like shifting and melting into each other i thought that was pretty neat 
And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was, I liked yeah. seeing it from both sides right. too. I liked having the whole the time stop, and then when he tries again, you see it from the other perspective, where it's just immediately he flies yeah, yeah, off. Exactly. <laughs> Which is fun, you know. It's fun watching your character move around. But yeah, this I thought this was another opportunity for um, our bard to do some bard stuff um, that True. you know would have been interesting. But uh, alas, he is a re- regaled to be useless. <clears throat> okay, so. Everybody's upset now. Um, with only hours before the big gladiator match, they still don't have a plan to get into the vault. They all talk about failure, and Edgen tells them that as a harper, he stole some red wizard treasure, which is how they knew how to find him and his family specifically. Um, the party rallies and comes up with a new plan, a better plan. Um, yeah, you know, classic, like, uh, just uh, got to get gotta get to it. You know, this is a classic movie thing. Uh, the near, Right near the action, yeah. right near the climax in the movie, right? You have your um, your characters lose hope. The Dark Knight of the Soul, um, uh, you might say. Okay. Yeah, this is where, like, this is the this is the part, like, in a and d game where, like, as, a, as, like, where you really benefit from having, a, a you know, an actor, like, Chris Pine at your table, yeah. you know, because uh, uh, it's you don't you don't really get the full mode. You know, it's like I would like to roll to motivate my friend. It's like cool, yeah, you succeeded. It's like cool, I feel motivated now. No, this is this is the, this is a true RP moment, yeah. right? And so that's where that's where the acting chops really pay off. Which you know, I I'm not a Chris Pine's level by any means. So, uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's where that's where the other part of the game really really takes place. Okay, so they decide that they're going to use the hither thither staff to create a moving portal they hide it behind a portrait and sneak it onto a moving caravan which is this is a really fun heist moment the thing they, they first uh stick it to the bottom of the of the cart then they um uh open up the portal take the boards out from the bottom of the um of uh, whatever it's called of of the uh, carriage then they send doric in um and have her pull the portal out um uh, from the bottom and put it onto the 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 carriage but of course it goes wrong and they drop the portal on the ground and then it's like sliding around the ground and simon is holding doric's hand and they're like pulling each other but like he's also like hanging out of the portal from the other side (laughs) you know it's some fun portal stuff where like you know gravity is is shifting and people are half in (laughs) half out yeah good stuff um of course they make it in and put the the portal up there and seal it up and doric escapes as a fly out of the carriage yeah if i if i did have to to nitpick i did think it was funny kind of interesting that they like the whole premise of this plan was they were like everyone's expecting them to steal treasure out of the carriage no one's expecting them to put something in it and all i got away from that entire high sequence was like if they wanted to they could have stolen everything out of the, <laughs> out of the carriage and no one would have noticed you're exactly right you're exactly right it would have worked either way yeah Okay, so um, the portal is successfully loaded with the rest of the loot into the castle's vault, but as the portrait is placed, it falls face down, making it almost impossible to enter. This is a, I really thought this was a creative, um, like, setback, you know? Uh, it definitely makes us think about portal physics, right? Yeah. It's like, do, like do, does a portal have a thickness? Well, Cause Here's like, the thing, right? So I was thinking that if it's on the ridge of the, um, of the thing, right? Why couldn't you the picture frame? Yeah, why couldn't you stick something, uh, like yeah. on, on the portal on uh, against the ground, right? 
and then um, stick it through because the portal is actually inset on the on the on the picture frame, right? It's actually there's like a ridge yeah. to it that's actually laying on the ground. So you could technically yeah, just I, stick something under there and then lift it, right? Yeah, I think they were. I, I think so. I think they had like I think they bypassed the fact that there was a picture frame around it, and they were imagining a situation where like literally the portal was like flesh one to one with the yeah, yeah. with the ground. But that still makes me wonder like, so what is the thickness of a portal? Right. <laughs> Take away the whole picture frame idea, right? Is is does it does it collapse on? zero thickness is a is a portal like that you know is a portal touching the ground why doesn't the floor go through the portal <laughs> well technically it was right because they could see it right there yeah, you're right. it was it's like yeah. it kind of was like it went through the port the floor went through the portal yeah it is interesting i don't know it, uh, was, it was very interesting yeah but i was it was very very uh fantasy physics trippy yeah wise, yeah yeah so. okay so um they have to they have to like okay well we're going back to plan a or plan c or plan d or whatever they decide right they're going to go they're going to send simon in with the the helm and um uh while doric is going to dig a tiny trench so that she can wor- literally worm her way underneath and sneak inside um so uh so while she's doing that edgen simon and holga sneak into the castle with an illusion of edgen playing the lute uh, which I really love this part where the illusion is is coming forward. He's distracting the guards. All the guards are coming in and he's playing a song. He sounds great, you know, and then all of a sudden it starts to skip and then it starts to melt and yeah. his like face becomes elongated and his eyes start bulging. That was so funny. I thought that was amazing. Uh, I thought it looked really good and I thought it was a hilarious uh, like twist there. Uh, Simon, of course, is casting the illusion, but he gets his foot stuck, and uh, you know it doesn't go quite as well as it's supposed to. Classic um, illusion stuff. Uh, it never goes quite the way you expect, does it, Nick? <laughs> yeah, I definitely like the audio skipping. I think uh, I don't know something a simple effect like that. I thought was I, I chuckled. I yeah, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, okay, so Edgen goes looking for Kira. Uh, Holga fights off like twenty guys inside of a blacksmith's armory, which was a pretty amazing sequence watching her fight all these guys. And it was fun to be in the blacksmith area. So she was putting on like armor mm-hmm. and she was dunking her, um, her ax in the, like the forge, like in the, in like the molten lava. And she was grabbing new weapons off the shelves and fighting with those and, you know, hammering guys with the blacksmith hammer, all of that. It was, it was very cool. Uh, it was a neat little setting that was well utilized in, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I agree. And then uh, of course, Simon heads straight to the vault. So, the uh, you know Edgen's theory is that Simon works best under pressure. So if he goes up there to the vault while everyone's chasing him and puts the helm on, then he'll be able to uh, attune to it. Which is what happens. He puts it on, and he this time uh, strikes his great grandfather, which turns out to be himself. And he realizes that it was only him standing in his own way. And it's a very uh, you know cathartic like oh it was me the, the whole power time of self-confidence. that's right um, which of course is yep. the thing that he's been struggling with and uh, he's able to attune to the helmet and bust down the vault door to discover nothing the vault is empty <gasps> but where is Doric Doric is in a room full of treasure so uh, she discovers that she is actually under the um, Colosseum and the, all of the loot has been d- uh, diverted from the vault 
into the secret second vault that is actually near the docks where Forge is loading up all of his all the treasure onto a ship so he can make a speedy escape out of the city before the Red Wizards uh, descend with their plot. Does that, does that all make sense? Um, I think... Yeah, they got it airtight. Right there. That was the plan. Anyway, so um, (laughs) Doric gets captured because they discover her. um, And then, of course, Edgin, uh, Simon, and Holga also all get wrapped up in big old um, tentacles. Actually, Edgin, uh, he goes to see Kira. um, And uh, when he sees her, uh, Kira only laughs in his face and transforms into Safina. And and she wraps him up in tentacles. Um, So Edgin... Uh, right before he's crushed by otherworldly tentacles, he asked to be instead thrown into the tournament with his friends, and Sophina agrees. So everyone's captured. They're all um, in the in the in the on the field. Um, it's like got these like uh, up and down. I don't know, how, like pillars, square pillars that like become a like become a maze and kind of like yeah. shifts walls and stuff. Um, and uh, Doric and Simon are both wearing magic suppressing bracelets so they can't use their magic while they are in the coliseum so it's like a big maze with monsters right everybody's uh yeah again classic coliseum classic classic coliseum stuff tournament arc that's right there's all these uh chests in there including one chest that's a mimic and uh the what the chests have weapons in them and they have this panther thing that can cast an illusion of Uh, itself what is it called displacer beast displacer beast awesome yes which i which is like the movie cannot like got it correct canonically but i've always thought displacer beasts were very weird in the sense that like they have these like like furry antennas that project themselves over it's just like no they're not just cast they don't just cast minor illusions of themselves they do it via these weird furry tentacles interesting Interesting. It's just like sort of like physically I, I connected. Found that. Yeah, yeah. It was freaky. They look like yeah. <laughs> like panthers with like they look like um yeah um uh, Pandora panthers. That's what I was thinking of. True. Uh, yeah. Avatar yeah, yeah. panthers. Very much in that in that vein. Um, uh, also, uh, um, Easter egg in this. Uh, I don't know if you're aware. There were two other uh, adventuring you know D and D parties in that coliseum yes. with them. Um, uh, one of them was the. Uh, they were both dressed like, but I believe it was also the the actual cast of the 1980s D&D cartoon. Really? Yeah. That's um, fun. They were all dressed like the little the kids in the in the cartoon. And again, I have to double check this now, but I think it might have been the voice actors who like played their character in the scene or whatever. Um, and which which is why they looked very weird, <laughs> you know, because they had this like really bright color palette that kind of clashed with a lot of the like the movie's color palette. Um, and that's why, because they were following the, the color palette of the 1980s. Cartoon. That's really fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I just I thought they fit in because there's like there's, there's another adventuring guild. Look, look like look yeah. at these suckers. They got stuck in here, too. You know, what's going to happen to yeah. them? Yeah. That's 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 fun. I'm I'm glad you um you noticed that. Yeah, so they're um you know, they're all like fighting through this maze and there's like a big cage that they're supposed to get into that will bring them to the next round. But before they go in there, they're like, "Wait a second. We don't actually want to fight in this tournament. We want to leave." <laughs> so, they um they run into a big gelatinous cube which takes um Doric's um bracelet right off of her wrist. And uh, so what they they eventually get back to the gelatinous cube and it's 
in such a position that uh, when the maze changes, it's going to force it under the Coliseum. So everyone jumps into the gelatinous cube and then um, as it's pushed down, uh, they, uh, they're like, you know, elevated to the next level and Dora turns into a snake, gets out of there, you know, slithers out of there and then pull, starts pulling everybody out of the gelatinous cube. And although they're supposed to be, you know, being digested, uh, they are able to make it out relatively unscathed. I was looking closely at everyone's skin to see if they were like bright red, like they had sunburns. Yeah, I, I was wondering but, how, uh, they look, how, how quick acting that gelatinous I, cube I, was yeah, going one, to be. One uh, aspect I wish I wish um, Chris Pine had been clean shaven after that, instead of having like the five o'clock oh, shadow. You know, like he like he had just yeah. completely like lost all of that. I thought that'd be kind of fun, <laughs> uh, but alas, uh, you know, a detail for another time. Anyway, yes, yes. Um, so, okay, so they find the real vault, they get on Forge's sk- uh, ship, and they try to leave. You know, uh, the tournament's going on, everyone's distracted, uh, and they get on the ship, and they're like, let's, let's skedaddle, let's get out of here. But, of course, before they can leave, they have to wait for Kira. So they, they knock out all the guards, they stand on the ship, and they're like, okay, well, and, uh, we'll wait for Forge and Kira to show up. And when they do, of course... Uh, Forge is very upset. He's like, "Where did you take this from me?" But of course, he's the real betrayer, right? Uh, he's uh, he's the one that was going to betray the whole city, and uh, but and of course, he's already betrayed our our intrepid heroes uh, here. So, uh, in one last act of cowardice, he puts a knife to Kira's throat and uh, threatens to kill her if they don't get off the boat. But one well-thrown potato later from Holga, uh, Forge is out of commission. And the party, now with Kira, are on the boat, leaving Neverwinter behind. So, yeah. I, I thought that was funny. I this not me, like, reading too much into it. Like, I didn't, like, uh, like, there was no setup for throwing a potato or anything, right? There is, right? there it is. It was just, like, is. so she, yeah, yeah. There? That's what I was trying so to remember. So she, um, so Holga likes potatoes, right? Uh, they established early on mm-hmm. that, um, which I skipped over at the very beginning, but she does not like to be interrupted. Uh, while she's eating potatoes. And then oh, yeah. there's another part. I can't remember exactly where it is. I think it's very early in the movie where she tosses a potato at somebody to get something, right? They're like about, they're like trying to leave somewhere or, or make a scene or something like okay. that. And she, she throws a potato um, at somebody and uh, they like, you know, run away um, as that person is distracted okay. or knocked ar- uh, around or something like that. So yeah, there was, that makes there was sense, a setup then. for it. And this is the payoff is forge getting gotcha. potato faced, uh, here. Yeah. So. I, I totally forgot the setup and you know, I, I liked the scene, but I did think it was, it was just like, Oh, okay. we're just solving potatoes, it with a yeah, potato. potato throw. There's nothing more, nothing more to right. it. It was <laughs> the universal, uh, language of, of throwing, uh, items anyway. So they're all on the boat. And, you know, they're all clapping each other on the backs. But, you know, not evil has not yet been defeated. And we still have Edgen's promise to Zenk that is yet to be fulfilled. So as they're leaving, the sky begins to grow overcast. Blood like tendrils grow from the clouds toward the ground, reaching for Sophina and her spell. Uh, and, uh, of course, Edgen remembers his promise to Zenk. Seeing the looks on the other's faces, he sighs and they turn that boat around. So... Uh, I did like the like sea shots of them like like them not seeing the sky darkening and just like you know celebrating their victory as the sky just yeah, yeah. gets darker and darker behind them. <laughs> yeah, so um, Safina's spell is like a it takes form as like a red mist 
or like a red fog that kind of billows out from around her and turns everybody around her into undead uh, beings that will obey her commands, right? Um, and mm-hmm. like they lose all their hair and they have these weird tattoos and they're always screaming and yelling and, and you know, being weird. Um, so it, it targets first like the rich guys at the, at the center, but then it's supposed to spill out into the Coliseum and get all of the patrons there as well. So um, Sophia is hoping to capture as many people as possible with her spell, um, which is why she's casting it here at the height of the tournament. But using the hither thither staff, our party showers the stadium and the surrounding streets with gold and treasure from Forge Fitzwilliam's ship. And people pour out of the stadium as money falls from the heavens. Um, this is a... I, I love to think of this, like, again, like going back to the table of this game or something like that. And you have like a... It's like, um, so how, how big would you say this stadium is? It's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Rolling you know, Coliseum. A hundred, uh, like, yeah, like a hundred meters radius. Is, why? I don't know. You like, what do you think the rain, the radi- the, the AOE range of that red mist yeah, yeah, spell yeah, yeah, yeah. is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're doing all the calculations. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like the the DM didn't think about the fact that if they leave the stadium, then they're no longer in range for the right, spell. Right, right. And it, it takes like thirty minutes to recharge and summon or <laughs> gas or something like that. Yes, exactly. It's like my plan. Oh, no, my plans. <laughs> yes. So, uh, like a coach of a football team watching fans leave the stands during the fourth quarter, Sofina screams in rage. Every, the you know the stadium is emptying because um, everyone's leaving to go get this treasure, and uh, she starts casting meteors. At the city. So, I, you know, I have, I have one gripe here with Sophina's plan. When we saw this uh, in action before, right, when uh, Zank mm-hmm. was retelling the story of how they did this to the last city that they did this to, um, many red wizards were at the uh, perimeter of the crowd, keeping them uh, true, yeah. in place so that they would be ens- ensnared in this trap. But that doesn't seem to be happening here. You know, the, the entrances aren't closed. Everyone's able to file out yeah. <laughs> uh, ver- relatively smoothly compared to many sports uh, arenas I've ever been at. You know, one moment they're in, one moment mm-hmm. they're out. So, um, yeah. I mean, even if there wasn't treasure there, right? The moment someone starts turning, they could have just dipped, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she really should have sealed the exits there, had some red wizards on the sides, you know, or maybe uh, some guards or something to, uh, you know, uh, keep people inside the stadium. Uh, so, you know, this is this is a real uh, bumble on her part as far as uh, turning people over. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the party holds strong uh, despite the meteors, and they're deflecting her blows and holding off a stone dragon that she's brought to life, um, which was an interesting uh, little uh, wrinkle to their plan. It was, that thing was beating them up. Uh, Doric, mm-hmm. in Albear form, hits uh, Sophina over and over, but... Safina, she's too powerful. Uh, I, you know, what level do you think she's at? You think she's a level 20? She's got a lot of spells. A lot of them are really um, powerful. She's casting meteors at the ground, right? She got the time skip thing. Um, she doesn't, she's got that big. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, blood I think hand. those are definitely like, you know, that she's. I'm pretty sure time stop is a ninth level spell. Okay. So um, it, she, she's up there. Uh, and like I said, I read, I mean, I think, I think in the games, like the in the book version of red wizards are pretty up there too and can do all of those things yeah. so um yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if you know give, if to give credits to writers if they did something like 
look up a red wizard stat block and like say like can we write these spells into this fight yeah. as like a fun little nod um you know sure because it, it seemed like they were trying to trying to you know because because it just kind of adds you know gravity to this to this game and this world that you've made and you're trying to sell to your audience right and the people that know what you're talking about are going to get it and the other people aren't going to be distracted by it so it's, it works so um yeah yeah i'll have to you know, I'll go look up a red wizard stat block later and then <laughs> throw them on you guys oh yeah that would be good for i'm sure you're ready i'm sure you're ready yeah so eventually uh you know she's hammered from all sides and she's forced to use her time stop spell but before she can deliver the final blow uh, to Edgen, uh, Kira slaps a magic suppression bracelet on her. Now powerless, Doric tosses her around until she is dead for sure. Now, um, this is how I remember the events happening here. Well, how do you remember it happening, Nick? Uh, well, it, it's very similar. I, I guess it's I. It, I guess it's an interpretation of what's going on. I uh, understood it as a like the time stop didn't actually take effect and the magic suppressor place it was like put on and then everyone like acted like they had been time stopped because i thought that was like to me that's more the like the silly answer of like you thought you time stopped us but we were just playing along because it's a funny movie yeah. or something like that right um but i i, I definitely could see I, I don't know what the right answer is i could definitely could see that like the time stop effect takes place and then the bracelet is slapped on which then nullifies the effect of the time stop and you know the same events play out um I, yeah i just i think when when chris chris prine or edgin started talking to, to me it seemed less of someone who had just been released from a time stop spell and someone more of a like hey i got gotcha. you uh, yeah. i was just faking it so yeah it, it, that's interesting <laughs> i wonder if we go back and watch that scene again if when she's casting the spell you'll be able to see her wrists you know yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I do think that's why maybe there's more. Maybe your idea is more sound because I do think, you know, maybe it's a misdirect, but I think the like they show the little bubble. like time wobble effect yeah, yeah. around her, right? Um, so like presumably that wouldn't happen if she was already wearing the the bracelet. So could be um, illusion. Your interpretation probably could is be more a, correct, a Simon based so. illusion. True, true, true. Never know. But of course, we got one last twist of the knife. You might say, Holga in the scuffle with Sophina has been stabbed by Sophina's knife. And as we discussed earlier, a wound from a red wizard's knife is fatal, even with magic assistance. So as Holga breathes her last, Akira uh, holds her adopted mother's head and cries. But of course, Edgin has something for this. <laughs> Wait, I have something for this. He has the talisman of reawakening <laughs> that he got from the vault. Uh, he recites the incantation. Oh, my goodness. And, bring, and as the thing disintegrates, he brings Holga back to life. So with victory under their belts, our party forms officially ready for life's next adventure. Listen, okay. I, um, I was pretty annoyed by this scene here i you know really? I, I appreciate a moment to um to emote right uh, it's always great to have yeah. a death scene you know it gives you a lot of room a lot of a uh, you know emotional weight to throw around but it's undercut significantly when the whole movie is about getting something that brings people back to life right and yeah. you know where this is going 
It's very obvious where it's going. Chris Pine looks so dumb when he's fingering the dang talisman. He's like, like his face is like, like, what am I going to do with this? Like, it's obvious what's going to happen here. We're going to save the character that we yeah. know, not the character that we've only met in flashbacks, you know? So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it really robs the you know the wind from the sails in this moment. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, get on with it. We know it's going to happen. But I don't really know the best way to handle something like this, right? Obviously, it feels like she has to die before they reawaken her. Otherwise, it feels like you're kind of cheating. Yeah. But it still feels totally hollow for them to be like, oh, she's dying. Oh, everyone's so yeah. sad. Oh, Michelle Rodriguez, we always loved you and Bradley Cooper together. I hope you guys get back together again. But now, no, never again. Never. Oh, she's breathing her last in front of us. Uh, and all of that is all of that is thrown out the window when uh, you've got a death-saving uh, device uh, right in your hand. Throughout the, like, over the course of the movie, I did, I did like Chris Pine's arc right i think it i think it made sense i think it was not overly complicated but it made sense i think it worked well and like like he even said like he had the line where he said like i was trying to bring back your mom for me you know not for yes. you right because like you like you only know you don't know her you only know we, none of us know her in flashbacks besides me you know like outside of flashbacks besides me so like i, I think the arc make like the character arc makes sense and i think that was a uh a rewarding like way to wrap it up for him to like accept this choice over the other one. Um, but, but I see what you mean of like the presentation of the way that that art concludes is awkward because like he, yeah, he either does it or he does it, but then it's almost like worse. Yeah. Cause it's like, <laughs> then he's just an asshole and he doesn't get a satisfying arc. And then the movie just ends really weirdly. So like you, yeah, you have to do it. And so everyone knows it's going to come. So exactly. Um, so it's just drawn out more than it, I felt was necessary. You know, this movie's already gone on for long enough. You know, we've had our two climaxes. You know, my popcorn's empty. Um, people are, are <laughs> shuffling in their seats. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm sympathetic to this, but also I'm like, come on, let's speed it up. Let's let's go. You know, like let's yeah. let's make this happen. You know, we all know where this is going. Why do we why are we pretending as if this isn't going to work out the way it is? So yeah, I, I don't know. I just find that a little bit um grating for me uh, but yeah, yeah I, I agree with you in general i thought chris pine's arc was good i really liked the flash the way the flashbacks were done where uh he was seeing that um dragonfly and it was reminding yeah him of his wife and how she said if you love something you have to let it go you know which is well, <laughs> whatever but it's a uh i thought that was earned and, and interesting and i think that fed together really well i really liked those kind of things um, but uh, ultimately, it was sour to me having this fake death uh, scene here. Yeah. Um, at that point, I wish you just didn't even do it. But whatever, you know, <laughs> got to bring people back to life. Let's let's do it this way. Anyway, that's the end of the movie. Uh, you know, all of our characters are alive, uh, ready to tackle the next challenge, which I'm sure will be coming. You did have the one the one final gag that's of right. um, Forge, you know telling his story of his tragic backstory that started with his mom and whatnot. Yes. Which was um, a callback to someone the, saying, the, Oh, cause it's a Zenk, right? Cause they called him, they called Forge a son of a bitch. And, uh, Zenk's like, do you think all of his problems resulted from his mother? And then you yeah. find out that's actually true. <laughs> well, I didn't even catch that. I did not that's even catch that. That's actually true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it was his mom who was, who was mean to him. And that's why he's, <laughs> he's the way he is. Yeah. Damn. I did, yeah. I did not catch that at all. But then, but then yeah. And then they, and then they, uh, 
they they have the window gag, which I yeah thought was silly. So oh, and did you, um, you say for the, the after they, for the mid credit scene? Uh, there, I did. Now I don't remember. It was, what it, was. Um, the, it wasn't very memorable. It was one of the uh, undead guys uh, was still oh, alive. Oh yeah, the undead and guy. They hadn't asked him the fifth um, question yet, so he was sitting there waiting for someone to show up again. Um, which yeah yeah so a continuation of our favorite joke in the movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> was there a post-credit scene? I assume I don't not, think so. so. I, I, I usually look oh. these things up, and there was no evidence of it. So, And I didn't stay till the gotcha. end uh, past the credits. So, Anyway, what do you think, Nick? Uh, any closing thoughts on, on this movie? Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think, we've, I think we've touched on all of it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like I kind of said at the beginning, I, I kind of I went in, you know, early on, thought it wasn't going to be good, heard it was good, which... All that really told me was it should hopefully be a fun little D&D action adventure movie. And I thought that's exactly what it was. And it satisfied me that it was just that, you know, it was not, it was not this blow me out of the water masterpiece, but it, it met my expectations. And I walked out of the theater having fun, um, having met those expectations. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, I, I like D&D, so more D&D the merrier. I am now cautiously optimistic about, you know, as we talked about, the, the future of this possible franchise and what they would do with this going forward. Because um, uh, I, 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 we never even touched on this, but like I, I think I've talked to you about this like outside of the podcast. Just the the idea that I think what a lot of people really like about D&D like, is not like the canonical world of Faerun and, you know, and the sword coast that this world takes place in. Um, I feel like what people like about D and D is just like the, the, the interactions at the table and the games that they play and the worlds that like the world and stories they like build together. And so like, you know, it's, you're, you're not jumping out of your seat when you get the cameo from your, 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 your baby Yodas or something like that. Right. There's, you know, like I said, when it was like, Oh, you know, the underdark, I, you know, I got a little, Oh, I know, I know that, that thing. thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, yeah. So I'm, again, I, I'm just, I don't know what they could do going forward if they decide to try and, you know, get the most out of this that they can. Um, but I, I guess I'll wait and see. And in the meantime, I mean, I'm just going to keep playing D and D and, and, in my homebrew worlds and whatnot. So, and other TTRPGs don't sleep on the rest of them. There's more than just D and D out there. So. <laughs> That's right. A good endorsement here at the very end. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this movie was, you know, overall well-written for, and it's a very simple story. Um, I thought the characters were memorable and interesting and um, I enjoyed it uh, pretty much the whole way through. And I thought there was some really great sequences and well-planned out and plotted uh, set pieces and yeah, I, I thought it was you know well executed, and I am cautiously optimistic, echoing you about the future of this. Um, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't think they've announced any sequels or anything, but it seems pretty obvious that that's yeah, what they're going to try to do. Um, at least you know with the way, the way the movie ends, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes from here. But overall, I thought this was fun and. Um, I I really uh, enjoyed my time at the theater. Okay, ratings at the at the end of every Apple ratings Chats, ratings uh, ratings episode, uh, we like to deliver our ratings. Nick, why don't you uh, go first? I rated this movie three successful death saving throws out of the possible five, so the movie lives to see another Excellent. day. That's very good. Very very good. Um, I gave this movie a dragon that hoards chocolate coins instead of golden ones. 
um, so that he can get nice, nice. and yummy. Healthy. Yep. Yummy, yummy. <laughs> uh, Nick, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, not specifically, but uh, if anyone is in the Los Angeles area, um, f- come see me uh, Monday through Wednesday at my uh, regular office desk job or uh, <laughs> Thursday and Fridays uh, at my apartment where I work from home. Um, I won't tell you where that is, but <laughs> if you're in the area, come say <laughs> hi. <laughs> would love to see you. <laughs> Okay, I guess this is a challenge to dox Nick, but we'll find out. <laughs> I retreat, <laughs> rescind all of my statements since <laughs> you dox me. <laughs> okay. Um, um, but if you want to play D&D, yeah. <laughs> or any other D&D, give us a, give us a call, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so uh, I don't know what we're going to do next for this podcast. I'm not even sure when this one's coming out, but regardless... Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Uh, know that we are making more stuff and more affable chat will be in your feed soon enough uh, and uh, yeah, if you you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet, there you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts including our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube which are all at affablechat and we also have an email address if you're old school like that, affablechat at gmail.com um, if you like this episode, then uh, tell your friends about it while you're playing D&D. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? And we're also live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash Affable Chat, uh, where Benjamin will be playing role-playing games for the foreseeable future. Um, oh, which boy. is not true. I Sorry, that was just a joke. Oh, darn it. Get your hopes oh, up. I'm so excited. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, whatever, whatever. Do you guys have a... Uh, do you have an Apple Chat PO box? I should send, oh, you some, send you some cool stuff. We are not. We <laughs> are missing a PO box. Um, we did have a voicemail set up. But yeah, we all talked to Benjamin. Maybe we can set up a voicemail. Uh, I mean, a, uh, a PO box. Um, PO box. Yeah. yeah. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. It was uh, tons of fun to, to talk D and D outside of playing. That's D&D. right. So. And thank you for listening. <laughs>